Mom's in bed and dad can't sleep because sleep is too much like death. The poetry in this is beautiful. <laughs> I'm like, what? those are my people. <laughs> <laughs> I can't like, sleep. It's sleep is too much like death. <laughs> what things like this? <laughs> What's poppin' y'all? Welcome to Post Finale. I am your host, Ankit Madeira. I'm an actor and a musician who hasn't seen a lot of films, so to keep my friends happy and potentially provide a new perspective on some popular films, I am on a quest to change that. However, I am never on this quest alone. This week, I am joined by Bobby Hedglin-Taylor, who is a multi-hyphenated artist. Some of the things that he's done is being a stand-up comedian, a theater aerialist, a author, an actor. Bobby, how are you doing? Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Great. Thank you for having me. It's so funny. Whenever I hear that list, I'm like, geez, really? Did I do all that? And I'm like, yeah, I guess I did. <laughs> so. Hey, that's how you know you're an artist. You do a bit of everything. Well, you have to. And in, and I live in New York. So, you, you know, it, you, as everybody knows, you know, you have to have a side hustle. So I'm the king of the side hustle. You know, and that's just the nature of living here. Even if you have a full-time job, um, the arts are still like, it's one of the few, one of probably one of the few or only countries that does not support the arts. Yeah. So we have to support ourselves. So as, as we can see by what's happening in the world right now. Oh, but yeah. Yeah. We're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk oh. about a fun movie. We're here yeah. to talk about Moonstruck. Yes. I have never heard of Moonstruck, so before we get into my lack of knowledge, you recommended it to me. What's your background on this? You told me it was your favorite film. When did you first see it? Okay, perfect, perfect question. So I'm Sicilian. My family has a Sicilian background. I grew up on a mountain in Pennsylvania surrounded by my Sicilian relatives. And that's part, you know, I wrote two books. This is part of my second book, actually. And I got the nickname Ravioli Mountain because everyone was Italian and everyone was related. So mid-1980s, this movie pops up, and it's about Italian-Americans. And I thought, oh, this would be, you know, I mean, who, who knew back then it was going to be the hit that it was? Um, and Cher won an Oscar for it, so that was one of the big things about the movie. But it follows the storyline of a, a, a woman who's been living with her family. She, uh, her, her first husband died, and she's getting engaged. During the engagement process, her fiance has to fly back to Sicily because his mother is dying. So it sets off this wacky story of, of him trying to make amends with his brother while he's, in, while he's away in Sicily. So he sends his fiance to the brother to invite him to the wedding. Exactly. And they end up sleeping together. So, yeah, uh, and that's as far as I've gotten. So like, don't, don't tell me what's going on after that. Yeah, so spoiler <laughs> alert. You know, so, so, so that's how, that's what sets it up. But the thing that I found fascinating about it is I saw every single relative that I had grown up with in that movie. And okay. they were all very specific and beautifully acted. You know, despite, despite people's different, you know, different training, different, you know, upbringing. I mean, Cher's Armenian. She's not even Italian. But the idea 
that this group of people could create this Italian family. It was brilliant. And, and it, like I said, it was very successful. I saw it in the theater several times, mostly because I even took my grandmother to see it. And, but mostly because it was a slice of Americana, but a slice of Italian Americana. And, okay. and that, that, you know, even, even down to the details of what they made for breakfast, you know? So it's just really, it was very, it was very much like my grandmother's, you know, the stories of my grandmother telling me, you know, about the old country and, and, you know, growing up in, in, in different parts of the country and, and, and raising a family post during and post World War II. So all of those things come together in that film. So that's why I was so attracted to it. And of course, you know, gay man growing up in New York City in the afternoon, in the mid eighties and yeah, and, uh, you know, and who doesn't love Cher? So, and it was Fair. a star studded cast at the time too. <laughs> Yeah, it, that I did see that it was a star-studded cast. I mean, pretty much all I knew coming into it was Cher and Nicolas Cage were in it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Oh, and, it, and that Cher won an Oscar. Because I do know that Cher won an Oscar. I figured it was for this one. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, these are the three things that I knew about it coming into yeah. this film. Right. So... Yeah, I was coming in completely blind. So we'll just jump right in. It starts off with some, with, with the moon, a very beautiful full moon. And there's a song playing in the background. And one of the lyrics caught me and I was like, when boy meets girl, it's what they say. And I was like, oh, this is a love story movie. Okay, yeah. this now makes sense. Like moonstruck, moonlight, Everything, fall in love. All of, the, all of the, the antics that happen in the movie follow the full moon. So just putting that out there. So that's yeah. Also I have seen the full moon kind of <coughs> coming through quite yeah. often. It's quite interesting. La bella luna. <laughs> <laughs> so the song that's playing is "That's Amore" by Dean Martin, and right. it plays as the credits roll. We see that they are setting up for the Metropolitan Opera's performance of Giacomo Puccini. I hope I pronounced that right. Yeah, it's Puccini, uh, La Boheme, I believe it was. Or, yeah, or, it was yeah. La Boheme by Puccini. Um, yeah. I've just never had to say his first name. So I don't know if I butchered that, but it's, all it's good. Puccini. He's dead. He doesn't care. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, he was an Italian composer who was very famous for his operas. And it was kind of cool that they had a very specific shot of like the conductor, the production assistant, all of that. And it got me curious, and I'll do the research because I specifically don't look up things in case I see a spoiler. But mm -hmm. I wonder if the people that they have down for set designer and costume designer, that was their actual job on the crew for the film and, like, a fun way to get their credits in there. I don't know. Oh, that, that didn't happen a lot back in that time period, like cameos where the costume designer pops in and, and, and you know, stuff like that. Or if it's based on a... On a book, sometimes the writer will be in a scene, you know, like in Chicago, the music, the movie Chicago. Oh, not even like in a scene. I just meant like if that's their way of being like, hey, this is the person that did the production was Lewis Gould. And right. the way that they had it was it was up on the thing. I don't know if that's the case or anything, but yeah, it was just something. It was so intent that I was like, OK, I don't know why, but this feels important. It really isn't at all. But it was just such a specific shot of the camera. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, the, the, the direction in it is brilliant. There's a lot of subtlety 
that the director captured. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and it was, uh, like I said, it, it, it directed by Norman Jewishson, I think his name is. And, um, okay. And John Patrick Stanley wrote it. I'm, I'm actually Googling this. It's, it's just, I just had it, I had it up on my phone, but anyway, like the, the direction and the way that the camera, the way that the camera follows the action of every single scene and the subtleties mm -hmm. it picks up. That's what I like about looking at it now. I see more of that than I did in 1987. Sure. Because there was a big time period that, you know, I saw it in the movies. And then of course we had VHSs so you could rent it. I right. may have rented it with my family once or twice after that, but then I did not see it again until, I don't know, sometime in the 2000s probably. And, um, and then I watched it with another friend about two years ago and, or no, before the pandemic. So three years ago. And it was just one of those, like, let's just pick a movie and watch a movie. And, and that was, and he was like, what's your favorite movie? So I was like, we're watching Moonstruck. And he's from, he's from a Southern family. So he got none of the nuances and ironically, he's now a filmmaker. So it's just very, it's <laughs> very interesting, but now he looks back on it and it's sort of like his go-to because of the subtlety that the camera catches. And that's what, the, that's what I'm fascinated by rewatching it. The, and I watched it again, like last week or the, you know, two days or three days ago, I was just putzing around the house and I watched the whole thing. And I was just like, I never caught that moment or I never caught that moment or I didn't, you know, see this, that, and the other thing. So it's very interesting to go back and rewatch movies because especially when you're watching them for an, for something that with like this, where you, you want to be able to dive into it. So, yeah. So it kind of reminded me as you were saying, it reminded me a bit of like the Hallmark movies that would come out, like the beginning of it yeah. kind of felt like one of those Hallmark movies that was like a staple in, for me, the nineties and early two thousands, but it was just really calm and nice and i was like oh this is gonna be a lovely little film <laughs> and so we see Cher. she walks into a funeral home and then we hear some women calling al a genius and Cher is supposed to be doing some like income tax or something we also then learned that her name is loretta so now we'll call her loretta but like i didn't know her name so <laughs> al is a slob but he makes good coffee and at the florist the florist says that the man who sends the roses, he knows what he's doing. And Loretta's like, it'll just end up in the garbage. Like, <laughs> it's, it's all just going there. And the florist is like, well, I'm glad that everyone's not like you. Because then I'd be out of business. Oh. And Loretta loves flowers, so he gives her a flower. And, like, Cher's very good in this film. But I kind of knew this just from the get-go. I was like, she's genuinely happy in that shot right there. That she just got a little flower. And I was like, okay, like, I'm here for it. Like, this is going to be a good film. If just there's that level of subtlety, both from the director making sure that it's captured and the actor being able to do that. Right. The subtleties that she comes up with and mm -hmm. the, the, I mean, we have a, we have a stupid saying here in the States, uh, in, in, you know, New York theater, the stage was dripping with subtext. You know, and you could see the subtext in her eyes. Yeah. Because, you you know, knowing what happened, you know, at, in scenes later, you know why she's so jaded, why she's in that, why she, it, her experience led to that moment. Mm -hmm. And what's about to occur after the full moon is completely different. It just, like, the world just turns upside down in a very good way. So. It's going to change. It's all yeah. going to change. <laughs> so we're at the Grand Ticino Italian restaurant. 
And Johnny and Loretta placed their order with Bobo the waiter. I love Bobo already. I have nothing against him. He is a gem. <laughs> I so, actually worked at an Italian restaurant called Bobo's. That it, is it was, amazing. It was on 42nd Street. And I don't know if you, um, I worked with Cheetah Rivera's sister, Lola. Her sister Lola was a manager there. And so we worked together for years. But Bobo's was a great Italian restaurant on, on 42nd Street. I don't think it was based on the movie, but I think they they may have taken it and taken it and run with it because this would have been in the 90s. So it's very possible. Fair but enough. Bobo. But it was always the restaurant was always named after the owner. So it was Bobo's yeah. or, you know, but his real name probably was Robert. You know, so. okay. <laughs> Everyone just called him Bobo. <laughs> right. And, and, I mean, that's the Italian rule. Like, you know, I was I was red. I was never Bobby. Okay. Was like, hey, Red, what you doing, Red? Yeah, you were whatever. just red. Oh, yeah, fair enough. No, no one, yeah, because I was, well, you see, I'm pale and I have red hair. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm the only one in a Sicilian family. So, of course, I was like the, you know, the, I, I always say, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the, the Irish invasion of Sicily from 563 AD. I'm a throwback genetic, you know. So <laughs> my parents, both my parents, dark hair, dark eyes, big bushy mustache. That was even my mother, and um, that most of them, mo most of them, olive skin, dark hair. It was normal. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. So Johnny and Loretta placed their order, and Loretta's like, I really like her, but like she's also a little like. Not bossy, I would say, but kind of like she tells Johnny, he's like, oh, I'll have the fish. And she's like, no, you can't have the fish. You're going to get sick when you fly. Like, you're not allowed to have. And I was like, kind of taken aback. I was like, he can have the fish, but like, OK, like, fine, like whatever. But yeah, she's kind of bossy, but Johnny seems OK with it. <laughs> he, you know, like th th that whole setup of. <laughs> what 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 he was you know setting everything up to, to to propose yeah but it's just showing their relationship that she knew him already mm, and okay. they, they knew each other and that you know she's already the wife she's already taking on the the the, the wife's persona you know right. that you know uh, that 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 she's already in that role so mm -hmm. it's sort of this is okay this is this is you know and she she was almost you could almost see that she was expecting him to propose and yeah. it was, wasn't that exciting <laughs> no so we hear some type of commotion we see patricia and the professor and my first thought when i saw the professor was i was like hey that's martin crane because i've seen frazier oh right growing up and I, that's the only thing that i know him from he's been in a couple of other things but like that's the main thing that i know him from i've seen him in a couple of other things as well but it was just a fun little like i recognize that face <laughs> so patricia then says kiss my aspirations dump some water on him and leaves and johnny then says a man who can't control his woman is funny and loretta was like well she was just too young and she's not laughing mm. and i was like nobody should be controlling anybody that's not how the world works <laughs> like so you know but it was the 80s you also well, cultural, you know. Yeah, it's cool. it, is it? It's very cultural, you know, that there there are controlling women in the Italian world, even though they were secondary to their husband, they still made they they still, you know, drag out fights. This it's very Italian, <laughs> you know. So, okay. 
but but that and also like when you look at that though that whole that that scene in the comparison mm -hmm. loretta and then if you well you you'll have to see the scene later but watch her yeah. mother watch her mother watch olympia okay. dukakis and you'll see very specific similar similarities that the two of them had to have worked out prior because their parallels are are it's it's very beautiful to watch and, and just for the acting alone it's genius and uh, the very end of the movie i won't give it away olympia dukakis has a moment that will break your heart and it's just it's just brilliant so anyway okay uh, <laughs> i'm here yeah. for it we'll find out what that is yeah well get. i know you don't want to do that <laughs> I, know. I know you don't want to i know you want to go back and watch the whole movie or watch at least the second half so i don't want to give away but, yeah i haven't yeah. seen the second half so i don't even know what's happening <laughs> so <laughs> wonderful so Bobo is upset because Johnny's planning to propose tonight, as we alluded to, and he's been a good Bachelor customer for 20 years. Bobo is already my favorite character in this film. I hope he is in more than just this one scene, but as far as I've gotten, he's around for one scene. So I made a bold prediction, and I was like, all right, here's what's going to happen in this film. I think I got this. I feel like it's pretty straightforward. Loretta's going to say no, realizes that he's not worth it, and he being Johnny... And then at the opera, she's going to meet Nick Cage's character. And then they're going to fall head over heel heels for each other, despite there being some type of age gap. Because there was a lot of talk about age so far in the film. And they are going to have some trials and tribulations, but at the end, they're going to officially end up together. We'll find out how right I am. Spoiler alert. You're close. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say, let's just say it doesn't quite work out that way, but y you'll see. Look, I might have gotten the end result, but um, <laughs> I definitely had some bumps yeah, along you, the you way. Yeah, you kind of did the Hallmark <laughs> card version of it, but wait do you see. It's, it's like the twists <laughs> and turns of the plot and, and the way things end up is very... It's, and it's very typical Italian families. That, you know, my father always used to say, you know, when you're doing, there's a convoluted story going on. He's like, oh, Jesus Christ, like, like going from your ass to get to your elbow. And I'm like, I don't know what the <laughs> fuck that means. But but it basically it was, you know, you know, basically you have to take this full journey to get to the end result. And the it's like the Wizard of Oz. Sure. It's like taking the yellow brick road, you know, and and and, and that whole journey that takes you back to you know the end result so see that makes sense your father's statement doesn't <laughs> exactly <laughs> like i said my father had useless quotes so and i still have no idea what some of them and some of them meant so Fair maybe they'll enough. be in my third book i don't know <laughs> who knows we'll find out look that's the third one <laughs> useless quotes by dad exactly <laughs> so loretta asks for the check and johnny wants to see dessert and he's like forever is a long time johnny's definitely very nervous and he starts rubbing his head very vigorously and he's like uh my scalp doesn't get enough blood sometimes and i'm like that is the worst excuse you could have come up with and loretta knows this and loretta's just like all right fine whatever like let's just move on i'm gonna pick and choose my battles <laughs> so they have some dessert and then just this calmly there was this beautiful exchange no i shouldn't will you marry me what like there was just nothing nothing to it johnny like you're just you're just throwing that out there will you have some dessert will you marry me there's no difference <laughs> and 
Loretta's just like, Bobby, go away. Bobby leaves. Bobby is a saint. Or not Bobo. Bobby, Bobo. Bobo. I'm, like, I'll leave. I'm so sorry. Want You're Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, please stay. <laughs> oh, we're doing great. And, and then she says it's that on. line, she's staring directly at Johnny. She doesn't even move her face. Bobo, you know. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's it's that Italian stare that we used to get as a kid. Like, you know, mm. like if I was in trouble, my bro- my mother would say, my brother, leave the room now. Go to your room. You know, no. you know, like the death stare, because I knew I was it. That was it, you know. But yeah. You're praying for once it doesn't have to deal with right. you, even though you're the one getting exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it's it. Yep, fair enough. It's it's a stare that everyone knows all too well. I feel like it's a universal stare because my mom probably had the oh, yeah. same one. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I think every mother in the world knows how to do that stare. They just learn it somewhere. Don't know. Pretty much, it's it's just parental. And yeah. if you notice, she's parental through that whole scene. She's acting like his his like his mother rather than his fiance. Oh so. yeah, definitely. And we then learn some interesting things about Loretta. Loretta was married. Her husband had died. And she thinks that she has had bad luck because of it. They got married at City Hall. That was bad luck. And she was like, this one, it wasn't right from the start. And Loretta tells Johnny to kneel down. And Johnny's like, it's a new suit. (laughs) And she's like, I know I helped you pick it out. But when a man proposes to a woman, he should kneel. And then Johnny skeptically kneels and then... But, like, puts both knees on the floor and then shuffles over to her (laughs) instead of, like, just starting next to her to the point where the professor has to be like, is he praying? Like, what's going on? And Bobo's upset. He's like, she's got him on his knees. He's going to ruin his suit. Again, Bobo, a gem. So, and I'm just like, okay, this is Johnny one knee mm-hmm. i've never proposed to anybody but one knee not two one <laughs> yeah one for proposal two for prayer <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yep <laughs> well who knows he might be praying <laughs> at this moment as well so johnny also has forgotten a ring and he's like and the guys behind him aren't helping they're like i would have sprung for a ring yeah i would have gotten a big one and i'm like you are not helping the situation and i love that they are just like look this is already awkward so we're gonna have some fun (laughs) yeah you know that whole scene is especially when you know and this is the thing is very italian is bad luck so my grandmother my grandmother was very superstitious i still to this day don't sweep directly out the door because you're sweeping your luck out the door if you dry, if you if you spill the salt, you always throw salt over your left shoulder because the devil is sitting over your left shoulder to distract you. That's what that is. So those are the two things, and I'm completely like unfounded bullshit, you know. But I still to this day, just because, just in case it's a real thing, you know, my, you know. But there's Italian, Greek, both very superstitious uh, about uh, things around ceremony, around marriages around business deals, very, very superstitious. So, Okay, yeah, I never knew yeah. that. Oh, yeah. and We're learning. Well, so small, small family thing here. So my grandmother oh, and yes. my grandmother's 
uh, first sister. They were the first two born. Their mother, she died at 19. Oh, no, 20 years old of the Spanish flu. Okay. My great-grandfather's second wife was Greek. So my grandmother had 11 brothers and sisters. So the remaining brothers and sisters are all half Greek, half Italian. So growing up with my grandmother, who was full-blood Sicilian, and her sister, full-blood Sicilian, are surrounded by half Sicilian, half Greek. The, the customs are very similar because the islands are the... They're, they're so close together, but both have very specific superstitions surrounding the, the, no matter what it was, life events, babies being born, weddings, funerals, you know, very specific things. And, um, and, and no matter what house it was, every house had its own superstitions. So you could, if you walked in and didn't take your shoes off, it was bad luck for seven days. You know, that kind of thing. My aunt Jenny, oh my God. Same. If I walked into her house and didn't take my shoes off, bad luck. You know, my grandmother, don't sweep out the door. It's bad luck. You're sweeping your luck out the door. You know, that kind of stuff. So it was very like, you know, I lived, it was almost, a, it was a village in the top of a mountain. So my family was surrounding me. You know, we were very insular on top of that mountain. So I was surrounded by all these people because everybody settled around my great grandfather. So my grandmother being the eldest of, thir of 13, she, uh, she, she lived across the street. So then all of them settled around us. So imagine everything going on in this movie times 13, <laughs> you know, every single house had their own, own way of, of operating in the same dysfunctional way. Yeah. I got to read your books. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I sent you my first book, which is just about my mom, but the second book is not out yet. I'm in editing hell. It is called Escape to Ravioli Mountain, a memoir in food. And it's all about growing up with my grandmother in the 1970s and all the recipes from my grandmother. So that's Ooh. that. So that's the second book. But it has my family story in the very beginning and some pictures from turn of the century when. Yeah, you sent me even, a few things. Yeah, even there. the boat, even the boat that they came over on, we found uh, we found the, the picture of the boat, the actual boat, the Giuseppe Verdi. So anyway. OK. Sorry, yeah. back to Moonstruck. No, enough about me. Let's talk about Cher. Back to Moonstruck. <laughs> no, that was interesting. Cool. Where were we? Oh, you're right. So Loretta says that the pinky ring will work fine. And if you're proposing marriage to a woman, you should offer her an, a ring of engagement. And Johnny is like, he's like, okay, fine. He uses the pinky ring and asks Loretta to marry him. And Loretta says, yes, I'm happy for them, but I'm already wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it took maybe two minutes of movie time for me to be wrong <laughs> so i updated my prediction i was like all right everything else is still the same but like loretta's just gonna meet nick cage's character at the opera okay so like but loretta's just gonna be engaged while the whole torrid affair happens kind of deal okay so yeah. I don't know how much you want me to give away. So I don't want to. We'll get to it. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to it. So everyone's happy for them. Loretta asks about the wedding. And we're now in the car. They're on the car ride back. And Johnny says that his mother is dying. And when she's dead, he'll come back and they'll get married. One to two weeks from death. No more than that. And they're talking just so nonchalantly about this. Like, they're just like, oh, yeah, like, she'll be dead. It's fine. She'll die. We'll come back. It'll be good. Loretta wants to set a date, and she's very adamant. Johnny doesn't seem to care. Eventually, Loretta forces it, and 
they're like, okay, we're getting married one month from today. And Loretta says that she will take care of all of it. And Johnny just has to show up. Pretty simple scene. Nothing, nothing a whole lot other than just setting the timeline a bit and why Johnny is gone. Right. <laughs> so we're at the airport. We're by the gate. Ah, pre 9-11. <laughs> when you could go to the gate. Which apparently in my very early years of flying, they could do that. But I yeah. don't remember it because i was born in 97 <laughs> so <laughs> yeah we could go to the gate you could definitely see someone off that way so yeah i definitely like remember stories of it happening so yeah so johnny gives her a business number tells her to call and asks and tells her to ask for ronnie and invite him to the wedding turns out ronnie is johnny's brother and i'm like okay you couldn't find any other ways to name your children? Ronnie? Johnny? Like, who's next? Donnie? Like, what do you what do you got? Like, is, is that it? Like, <laughs> just has to end in NY? Sure. So, <laughs> they haven't spoken in five years. There's bad blood between them. And Johnny wants to invite him to the wedding and bury, and bury the hatchet. And Johnny gets on his flight. Off to Sicily. Sicily, right? Yes. Yes, okay. I was like, he is going to Sicily, right? Palermo. My, my family's from Palermo. Same okay, city. so he's going to the it's same. Island. Have you been to Palermo? Not yet. Okay. I, it's on my bucket list. You know, post-pandemic travel plus corporate greed uh, has set in to all the inflation. So travel is just not in my cards right now. Unless you Fair make enough. 150K a year and you have a disposable income that you can travel, then yeah, but... It's on my bucket list. You know, I still have family there that I would love to reconnect with. Okay. Sort of reconnect via, you know, like Instagram and stuff like that. But, you know, you want to you want to see them. You want to experience the, you know, I want to see the island where my people came from, you know? So, yeah, no, it's definitely different when you talk to family over the phone and when you actually get to see them. Oh, so. yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. So. Loretta's watching the plane go. We meet this old lady, and she's covered in all black. And she says that she has put a curse on that plane, and so it'll explode because her sister is on that plane. And I'm like, that is some type of vengeance against the sister. <laughs> what did she do to wrong you? We're about to find out. So apparently, 50 years ago, this sister took a man from this old lady in the black. And today, the sister told the old woman, that she never loved him, but took him just to be strong on her. So the old woman cursed the sister that the green Atlantic water should swallow her up. Loretta's just like, I don't believe in curses. And then the old woman is just like, yeah, neither do I. What was the point of that entire piece? The point is, you'll find out later why it's important. <laughs> okay, sure, why not? I was like, is the curse coming true? <laughs> It didn't, but like I was like, why is this important? I put I a curse on that plane. <laughs> <laughs> it obviously didn't work very well, cause uh, <laughs> spoiler alert: Johnny makes it to his mother's deathbed. <laughs> so, you know, well, I guess I'll find out eventually. Yeah. So, <laughs> it just it does go to show you that the older crowd, the the older, you know, back then, like these were the people that have lived through some of them lived through world war one and world war two you know sicily during the during world war two during mussolini's years you know so it's like they all have like i said it's very superstitious 
So I put a curse on that plane, you know, but it is, it is an important little, little tidbit. So. Okay. I'll keep it in mind. I'm yeah. intrigued on what's going to happen with it. So I don't know. But Loretta heads to the liquor store, gets a split of mums. Do you know what liquor mums is? Is that a brand? Mums is champagne. Oh, it's just a brand of champagne. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fair. Was, I work as a bartender as mm -hmm. well, which is the sad part. <laughs> I was a bartender most of my adult life in between shows. So, <laughs> but a like, of mums is a tiny little bottle of of mums champagne, and yeah. it is. A, and it is not the most flavorful champagne, so usually you drink it with a sugar cube. You drop a okay, sugar cube. Okay, that makes sense, because that was a question that I had later of why sugar? So. It's, it's from, it depends, it's, it's where the vineyard is for some reason. It's just a bitter, it's not bitter, it's just not a robust champagne. And it was okay. very popular, and it was very popular in the 80s. And, um, you know, so, but very sicilian thing to do is drop a sugar cube in it's also for good luck so. sure. sweet life you know oh that's so sweet so the couple behind the counter is having an argument and that the man looked at a younger woman and the woman called him a wolf and he she's like i can see a wolf in you and the man's <laughs> like do you know what i see in you the girl i married <laughs> it's all fine it's okay yep. Everything's fine. So Loretta gets home, and her dad has fallen asleep listening to the radio. And then I was like, she has five dogs! It turns out the dogs are the old man's who lives upstairs, but I, I was just excited about five dogs. Mm -hmm. So, um, she seemed to love the dogs. Like, it wasn't oh, like... Yeah. yeah, like, she she did seem to be like, hi! Like, she wanted to play with them and, like, was petting them. So, like, you know, happiness there. So, mom's in bed and dad can't sleep because sleep is too much like death. The poetry in this is beautiful. I'm like, what? those are my people. <laughs> I can't like, sleep. It's sleep is too much like death. Who <laughs> thinks like this? Apparently, my people. Apparently. <laughs> And then, yeah, the the question of did dad just put two sugar cubes in the champagne? We just discussed that. And then they say, Ti amo. Is that the equivalent to like salud or cheers? Or... Oh, it means I love you. Oh, it means I love you. Okay, cool. Ti amo. And you could, you could say, and he, he always, uh, you, you respond, Anchio ti amo. I, mean, I love you too. You know, that kind of thing. So it's just okay. like, yeah. Nice. So Loretta tells her pop that she's getting married. And the dad says, why? The first guy died. And she's like, well, he got hit by a bus. And then the dad's like, no, it was bad luck. And <laughs> this is where I was starting to get to being like, it, it's not all luck. Like, you know, yes, some of it. But now you explaining the whole super, superstitious part of it. Like, now it makes sense to me of, like, why there's so much talk about luck in this film but i was very confused i was like why is everything just lucky or unlucky like it didn't make sense until you it, just explained it to me culturally just look back at culturally culturally that's all they had to do to explain worldly events right was, it was good luck or bad luck and it you know forget about science you know you know <laughs> it's just you know like that was 
and and that is a deep rooted thing in a lot of cultures like you know there's a lot of superstitions surrounding different things like i said like weddings it's not just the italians or the greeks it's definitely like you know i've seen it in other cultures where people are like you know very specific about the way they do something or you know or i do this because it is you know it brings me good luck you know the irish and finding four leaf clovers you know so yeah i mean it's in indian culture as well it's in all the cultures yeah definitely and it is something that was it is born out of the fact that they had no explanation so it's something that is a verbal transfer of information that even as this movie was 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 produced people still at that time like i said i wasn't allowed to sweep out the door i was i had to throw salt over my shoulder you know all that stuff and um you know you it's it's it is very much like the father is very much in you know you'll you'll you know you'll see so (laughs) no all good so the dad says mom and i have been together for 52 years nobody's dead you were married for two years and somebody's dead don't get married again (laughs) and i just love that he's like don't do it it's not worth it like don't (laughs) do it don't kill another poor human soul that's out (laughs) in this world (laughs) and the dad's like why isn't johnny here telling me this himself and Loretta's is like, well, he's flying to see his mother who's dying. And the dad doesn't like Johnny's face, his lips. He can't see his teeth when he smiles. What's Johnny hiding? And the dad's like, I'm not coming to the wedding. And Loretta's like, you have to. You have to give me away. And then you didn't give me away the first time. And then, and before she even said it, I was like, bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> I caught on. I caught on to what we're going. <laughs> so... The dad says, it doesn't sound like Johnny to get down on his knees. And then she's like, well, he did. And he gave me this ring. And the dad's like, that's a pinky ring. It's stupid. (laughs) I love the dad. He's great. He is fantastic. And Loretta's just like, well, it's a temporary ring. And then he did say this of everything is temporary, which is kind of true. Everything is temporary. Very much so. Especially you know, when you're trying to influence a, a conversation. You know, you know, he, he ultimately, he doesn't want to pay for the wedding because the father's supposed to pay for the wedding. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> that's really all it is. That's all it is. It's all superstition so he doesn't have to pay for the wedding because he's cheap. <laughs> yeah. So, but he also is like, everything is temporary. Realizes defeat and is like, okay, let's go tell your mother. he's just like all right let's go (laughs) so we finally get to meet the mother and the mom whose name is rose asks who's dead why (laughs) is that the first thing that is being questioned if you're woken up in the middle of the night (laughs) because that is what happened people die in the middle of the night that's I, i i don't know i don't know where it came from but it's literally like Somebody wakes you up in the middle of the night, somebody's dead. That is fair. I mean, if my family calls me and it's like three o'clock in the morning, I'll be like, what's wrong? Yeah. Also, think of the time difference between Sicily and the United States. Somebody calls you from Sicily. That's oh, true. So things happen. You know, if you get a, if you get a telegram or a call in the middle of the night, it means someone's dead culturally that's the way that's the way to explain norm i always say 
if if I die in the middle of the night, don't bother anybody until the next day, please. I'm still going to be dead in the morning. You know, you know, so it's like you have you have to call them exactly the time that I die. You know, it's like that's okay. Let them at least enjoy their sleep for tonight because they're not going to for the next potential bit. <laughs> no, I remember we had a we had a, a there was a house fire in the family and. We lost one of the, the youngest, the two month old baby. So my grandmother was on the phone like until five o'clock in the morning, calling everybody in the family, letting them know that we had a tragedy in the family. We lost the baby. Like it was, it was this broken record. And I remember hearing it because I lived with my grandmother when that happened. And it was like, it was just this, this, this tape that was playing. And it was like this, this, this over and over dramatic, over dramatic. You think the opera is dramatic? You should have lived with my grandmother. But it was that that is it's a cultural thing, too. You know, it's just like as soon as someone the minute someone dies, you have to call every single family member. And we didn't have social media. So, you know, now you just like somebody died, you know, blah, blah, blah. Here's their GoFundMe and post it on Facebook. You know, you know there. Yeah. So anyway, Rose. So Rose is like they're like, all right, nobody. Loretta is getting married again. Yes, again. And. The dad says, I don't like him. And Rose is just like, yeah, you're not the one marrying him, Cosmo. Mm -hmm. And now that I know the dad's name, I'm calling him Cosmo because that's just a fantastic name. And that is his name. So Rose is just like, ask Loretta, do you love him? Loretta says no. And Rose is like, that's good. Because when you love them, they drive you crazy because they know they can. And she's just (laughs) looking directly at Cosmo as she's saying this. 100% 100% true. <laughs> I believe you love it. Them, Loretta? No, good, because if you don't, if you love them, they drive you nuts. <laughs> but Loretta likes him. Rose asks who's going to pay. Guess who? Pop! <laughs> and he looks surprised. He knew this was coming. Cosmo's just like, no. And Loretta's like, the father of the bride has to pay. Cosmo says he doesn't got any money. And Rose is like, you're as rich as Roosevelt. You're just cheap. Cosmo just walks away and is just like, I won't pay for nothing. Rose reveals he didn't used to be cheap. He thinks that if he holds on to his money, he won't die. Spoiler alert, Cosmo. Not how life works. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's all there is. It was just a fun little scene of introducing Rose. I like yeah. her. She's She's fun. So... Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break for intermission. Okay. And we'll come right back. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the intermission. I hope you're all enjoying this episode of Post Finale as we're going through Moonstruck, learning all about it, and soon to hopefully see Nicolas Cage coming in as well. But... I hope you're enjoying this episode as we start this journey on this new film. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you would like to gain access to bonus content, you can do so. Head over to patreon.com slash postfinale. All types of different bonus content, audio content, notes, different things like that. I try to do about one bonus episode per movie that I do, but there's also some other bonus content like 
how did this podcast come to be and different things like that. I am trying to keep up to date on the Patreon. So if any of that sounds of interest to you, be sure to head on over to patreon.com slash postfinale and sign up for any of the tiers and all of the money made from the Patreon goes directly back into this show to make it a better show for you, the listeners. Secondly, if you still want to help out the show in a non-monetary way, it's greatly, greatly appreciated. Word of mouth is the best way to grow the show. Just reach out to a friend and be like, hey, you like movies, or hey, I know that you don't watch movies all the time, but maybe you would enjoy this, where this actor, the host, he's really nice, he's really humble, he doesn't really know much, but he kind of just guesses and has a good time and goofs off, and it's fun, and it's sporadic, and you might like him. It's the best way to grow the show, and thank you to everyone who has already spoken about the show and talked about it, and to anyone who will do this in the future. Thanks in the future, whenever you do do it. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Be sure to follow us on social media at PostFinalePod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. But I feel like this has been going on for a while, so before any much more of your time is taken... Let us get back into Moonstruck and finding out what's happening next. So, we're back, and we're with the old man with his dogs. They go to the cemetery, and there are some other older men, probably friends. And Grandpa is who I'm guessing this is, and turns out it is. It's Cosmo's dad. But the grandfather says that Cosmo should pay for the wedding but also shouldn't look ridiculous. He'll talk to him when the moment is right. And then they reference something in Italian, which I don't know what they were referencing. Did you catch that? I don't remember. It translated to, because he said it in Italian, and then he translated it to an American friend, I'm guessing, because he said, the moon brings the woman to the Oh, man. right, right, exactly, yeah. Um, I can't remember what it is in Italian, but I I remember that the the the, the full moon and you'll there's more story <laughs> before, but the full <laughs> moon was and it was and is again culturally, um, um, it's superstition, but also this the 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 cycle of the moon is the cycle of a woman's body, and so it's like that 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 all of those things come together to bring the woman to the man or the man to the woman to create a bit, to create family, you know? So it's like, that's the, the, that's the, 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 that's the backstory of all of that. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. But I thought it was beautiful because I noticed the full moon and I was like, oh, today's going to be the day that Loretta meets Ronnie. I was, because I, I know that Loretta has to meet Ronnie. That's, that's the end goal here. Loretta's got to meet Ronnie and, or not, not Ronnie, sorry, Nick Cage. I don't know yeah, who Ronnie that is. That is Ronnie. Nick Cage. Yeah, Nick I Cage find out Ronnie. that it's Ronnie, but like, she's got to meet him. He's going to meet, she's going to meet him today. And so we're back at the house. Rose is making breakfast and then Loretta comes down and Rose asks her, are you going to live here after the wedding? And Loretta's like, no, dad doesn't like Johnny. And Loretta's like, okay, well, are you going to have kids? And Loretta's like, no, I can't because, you know, I'm 37 
And Loretta says that she wants to live in this house. She loves the house, but Pop don't like Johnny. And then the phone rings. It's Johnny. Says that he's calling from the deathbed of his mother. He is so <laughs> melodramatic. So are most of my elderly relatives. They were all okay. exactly like that. That's why I said I connected to that. It's like, I'm calling you from the deathbed of my mother. You know, <laughs> and then, does not and then care. You look, and exactly, but then also when you look at the opera, how dra- over dramatic opera can be. So it, there's a connection between the opera and everything going on. Yeah. Okay. So that's the connection. Cool. Yeah. yeah so Loretta doesn't care. She's just like, "How was the plane ride, Johnny? The waitress was nice. Mother is slipping away. Johnny hasn't told her about the marriage. We learn, and he's." Waiting for a moment when she's peaceful. And Loretta claps back. Well, don't wait until she's dead. (laughs) I just laughed at that one. And Johnny's very adamant that she has to call Ronnie. And that five years is too long for bad blood between brothers. And the brother has to come. And nothing can replace family. And that he now sees that. Which is very touching. Nothing can replace family. Whoever your family is whether it's people you're related to by blood, through marriage, if it's your friends, whoever it is, no one can replace your family. No, but there are also, there are also moments where, you know, family are people. Oh, yeah. So it doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean we have to. Um, you know, it's just like anything else. You should be able to choose who you want to be around and who you want in your circle. Sometimes when it comes to uh, family, though, you don't get a choice, so. Well, that's why I said, like, it's whatever family you decide is your family. It's not necessarily people that yeah. you're blood-related to. It can right. be other people, but it's just whoever you've decided is your family, then you can't replace them after you've decided this is my family. And you can have people from all different parts of your life be part of your family. Sure. So, yeah, but that that's what I was meaning by that. But and this is where I had in my notes. I was like, oh. Nick Cage is going to be Ronnie, isn't he? Yeah. So, <laughs> I was like, I, I, I see this now. <laughs> I was like, they're adamant. So they call the bakery and Ronnie's in the basement. And he asks why Johnny didn't call himself. Ronnie says, what's wrong can never be made right. And Ronnie's working in a boiler room. And Loretta goes down to the bakery. And I was like, never mind. It's the kitchen ovens this makes a lot more sense than the boiler room (laughs) but i i same general idea it's hot and now we get to meet young nick cage or at least to me it's young nick cage (laughs) because i hadn't seen him in anything before like national treasure which was like early 2000s like national treasure is the reason that i know nick cage i can't remember honestly Huh. He, he, uh, he's, hmm, let me see, Nicolas Cage, he's 59, so. How old would he yeah, have been? When... He would have been in, he would have been like 32. I don't do math okay. very well. You know, so he, yeah, uh, Peggy Sue Got Married was the first time I saw him in a movie. Okay. That He did Valley Girl, Leaving Las Vegas, later the, the Face Off, National Treasure, Ghost Rider. City of Angels, Bringing the Dead, The Family, The Family Man. He was in one of the Spider-Man movies. 
Yeah, uh-huh. he's been in, I mean, a lot. He So he was around 20 when this film was coming out. I would say 30. I'd say He was more. born in the 60s. It came out in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, he was... He's born he's in 64, born. so yeah. So, he, yeah, so he would have been... Uh, 64 is 20. Yeah, he would have... No. He would have been 20... 23. Sure. Exactly. 23. Great. Let's go with that. Yeah. Let's go with that. 23. Lovely. 23. <laughs> so, Sorry, I didn't do math well. I had to think about it. We're artists. My mom's not going to be happy. She's a math teacher, but here we are. <laughs> we struggled for slightly too long for her to be happy about that one, so we're going to move. So, and I was like, oh, look, it's Ronnie the brother. I mean, I did kind of put this together about 10 seconds ago. But Ronnie asks, why are you here? And Loretta says that she's going to marry Johnny. And then Ronnie repeats this question. Well, he repeats, oh, you're going to marry Johnny says he has no life johnny took his life and that now johnny's getting to be married he has had his and is getting his and wants me to come as well why would i do this pretty much ronnie hates his brother pretty much and ronnie asks what is life they say that bread is life but he bakes bread and he's tossing some bread into a box while he does this very like aggressively and the sweats and shovels the dough into the hot oven and so he should be happy and you want me to come to the wedding of my brother johnny where's my wedding love this monologue by nick cage this whole thing like this entire scene probably some of the best acting that i've seen nick cage do in any of the things that I've seen him do. He's been in some <laughs> amazing things that I've enjoyed thoroughly. But, I don't know, it was just something that like I had almost never really seen from him playing this type of character. Yeah. And it was just so different. And I loved it. It was just a very, very well-delivered monologue. I don't know if he won any awards for this. We'll find out no, at the end. Don't but... think so. But but oh. either way, he was definitely. I think he was nominated for stuff. But um, yeah, that whole scene, like you're, you know, like this is just laying out the character from from soup to nuts. You know, like oh yeah, how and why the feud happened, and all of the, you know why they don't speak to each other, and and how he's this like hermit stuck in the the baking ovens of the bakery that his family owns. You know, so it's like this whole just. Like he's he's like Gollum, you know, from Lord of the Rings. You know? Oh yes, <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, he even goes and he's like, "Chrissy, bring me the big knife." Chrissy's like, "No," and Ronnie's like, "Give me the big knife. I'm gonna cut my throat." And Loretta's just like, "Maybe I should come back another time." And Ron, <laughs> and I like how she's like, "Maybe I should just leave." And Ronnie's like, "No, I want you to see this. I want you to watch me kill myself so you can tell my brother Johnny on his wedding day." And I'm like, I feel like Loretta would probably tell him before his wedding day, but like, <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, you yeah, know, th- you, you, you're on a roll, Ronnie. I'm not here to ruin it, so just go for it. But yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, I feel like she might be a good enough person to, you know, deliver that information. <laughs> so the girl, one of the girls from the bakery, who's not Chrissy, the other one whose name never got told, so I don't know. But she tries to stop Ronnie and he just 
shuts them up with just a simple what and just again like he's just commanding power in this space like nobody else like this is his space and this is when i had the question does ronnie own the bakery it's a fan i mean to, to, it's family run like a family when um like if you ha if your family was a baker you bought a bakery and every member of the family worked at the bakery and, and everybody did that's that's how it worked um you know johnny obviously doesn't work in the bakery and doesn't right. have that part in the family I, I i don't think it's ever even covered what johnny does for work okay but yeah so it doesn't there's, there's no way of knowing i would assume so okay because like it, his name's on it did you reach the 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 cheese the the cheese um, i don't know anything about cheese okay so we'll talk about it later because <laughs> um, uh, there's very specific like there's there's a there's family that owns a cheese shop there's family right. that owns bakery so there's there's a there's a scene in a cheese shop that's coming sure. out sure yeah um okay so it is possible that he owns the bakery yeah or is a or, or is or the part owner, owner or something or like yeah okay cool but like i i just asked because like he not only commanded respect just from him but his name's also outside and so it just like seemed like he had a lot more say in that kitchen than just being the baker. So, yeah. it felt like he had a lot more say in it. So, Ronnie asks if Loretta knew about him. No. Ronnie says, nothing is anybody's fault, but things happen. And then Ronnie reveals his left hand, and it has wooden fingers, and the wood is all fake. And... He reveals, Ronnie was engaged to be married. Johnny came in asking for some bread. Ronnie said, okay, fine. But then he got his hand cut off in the slicer because his hand got caught. And so his fingers all got cut off. And when his fiance found out that he had been maimed, she left and married another man. Loretta points out the same thing that I'm thinking, that none of this was Johnny's fault. Ronnie doesn't seem to care. And... He yells in, again, a beautifully delivered line right here. I lost my hand. I lost my bride. You want me to take my heartbreak, put it away, and forget. Another beautiful line. And everybody is still, nobody is moving. And Ronnie just says, Is it just a matter of time before a man opens his eyes and gives up on his dream? His one dream of happiness. Maybe. And then he starts to leave, and Chrissy's crying. Why is Chrissy crying? Because <laughs> they're both in love with him. I mean, yeah. And, and then they, and they, you know, you, even there's one line at the very end. She's like, the most tortured man I've ever seen. You know, and that she's, you know, she's deeply in love with him, but he'll never know. Yeah, you know? and then, so here's here's what she says. She's like, this is the most tormented man she's ever known. She's in love with him, but he doesn't know. And she never told him because he lost his hand and his girl. And I'm like, well, he might be able to learn to love again. And he probably will by the end of this movie, if my <laughs> prediction goes right. And also, the other note, which the only thing that happens right after this is that Loretta asks where Ronnie lives. They go upstairs, and Loretta just asks to talk. 
That's where we're going to end it. But the last thing that I want to say with Chrissy over here, guys are dumb. They don't put together any of the signs. If you like them, just tell them. Because if you don't, you're going to wait around for like 10 years. (laughs) Also, just about that scene, threatening to cut your throat is... I, I don't know if you can say that online nowadays, but that threat of unaliving yourself is very much a scare tactic that is used to control people. When 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 the dysfunctional family can't, fun, you know, when you can't express yourself or you can't be heard or something is so dramatic that you need to stop the energy of the room. People like my grandmother, my great, my aunts, they all threatened, I'm going to cut my throat. I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You'll be, you'll, you'll all be at my grave. Like, okay. And it stops the energy of the room. So it's a very much, like I said, like it was like watching my family just in a different context. But the, the nuances of the way that the director picked and chose each interaction was very, cult- he really studied culture. And yeah. again, it's it's a it's it's sarcasm, it's farce in in the in the grand scheme of things. It, it's it's equal to farce. But all comedy, the thing that I've learned about comedy, especially you know being an actor and then a stand-up comic, it all comes out of truth of the situation. So fine. So no matter no matter how you got to be real to be funny. Yeah. And that's the difference. And they even though they even though you know you'll chuckle at some of these moments in the scene, you're like, what the hell? Why is she like that? They're in it and it's so real to them that we see the we see the the farcical nature of it but they can only see what's in front of them and and react as far as and that's real and that's how you create real real activity and real life on on screen and that's just my take on it but i've always watched this movie with a little bit of you know like stepping back and looking at it as a big picture and it's it gets it gets even more crazy just so you know and in in, in the scheme of things, in the scre- scheme of things, this movie is 1987. So we're talking 30 plus years ago, and it still to this day makes me laugh, and it still to this day is is got a warm fuzzy. That's wonderful. So. Well, I can't wait to delve more into it. So that's where we're gonna end this episode. So Bobby, thank you so much for joining. It was wonderful chatting with you and learning all about your family and how there's so much truth in this film makes me really happy if people want to find you on the internet doing different things how do they find you how do they find your books all of that stuff great okay so instagram facebook and tiktok at bobby hedgeland taylor or at escape to ravioli mountain on all three of those platforms my my first book is the only one that's published. It's called Hashtag Shit My Mama Says. And you search on Amazon. Make sure you use the hashtag uh, icon. Hashtag Shit My Mama Says. It's a whole point in the book um, about that. But if you just type in Shit My Mama Says, it will not come up. You have to use the hashtag. And it's available in all markets. It's available in, in, in uh, the UK. It's available in Europe. It's available in Australia, New Zealand, uh, South America, and of course, American Amazon. And uh, this fall, you can catch me at different uh, resorts in Pennsylvania because I have a bunch of resorts that'll be on, on my, my list of where I'm performing. So thanks for having me, and I'm looking forward to part two. Wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. And listeners, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'll catch y'all later.
Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Post Finale. Post Finale is created, hosted, and produced by me, Ankit Madeira. Our editor is Pranav Nair. The music is by Ankit Madeira and Megan Hutchison. And the art is by Jared Rother. If you would like to gain access to bonus content and help support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash postfinale and signing up for any of the tiers. Any of the money that is made from Patreon goes directly back into this show to help make it a better show and a better listening experience for you, the listeners. If you want to help out the show in a non-monetary way, it's greatly appreciated. Word of mouth is the most helpful way to grow the show. If you like the show, reach out to a friend and be like, hey, you love movies? Check out this new podcast where an actor goes through and gives his first-time thoughts. It's fun, he's silly, and it's an all-around good time most of the time. And boy, do they go on many different tangents, but it's fun and goofy and all things in between. And you get to see the confusion happening as it happens in real time. Be sure to check it out. It's the best way to really get the podcast out there to people and be sure to follow us on social media at post finale pod instagram facebook and twitter things happening there all the time as well and thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of post finale be sure to tune in next week as bobby returns once again and we continue talking about moonstruck and learning more about nicholas cage and his character and ooh, there's a lot to unpack in this next episode, so be sure to tune in next week. And until then, I'll catch y'all later.